Have you ever wondered what the difference is between an accountant and finance? An accountant looks backwards and a finance person looks forward. Alejandra Santos helps us to understand the complexities and the simplicities in accounting and why you should be looking forward more than you should be looking backward and how important that finance person is in your organization. Talk Commerce is brought to you by Content Basis. Have you tried machine learning programs only to find they give you repetitive garbage or worse, information irrelevant to the context of what you asked for? Do you know if the content that you're using on your website is even performing? Content Basis exists to analyze, create, and measure the content that is crucial for your product or service. Content Basis analyzes your website analytics to learn what is performing well and what is not. We dig into your search history to discover what keywords people are using to find your product and services and what keywords people are using to find your competitors' products and services. We create a content plan to help you deliver content that wraps around your most vital products and services, and then we track the performance of this content reassess it and make it better. Go to contentbasis.io to learn more. The open beta program is available to new users. Go to contentbasis.io. Talk Commerce is sponsored by HIFA, or as the Europeans say, HUFA, or the right way to say it. HUFA is rapidly becoming the biggest Magento front end after Luma. For those who don't know it, Luma is the basic theme that comes with Magento and it is giantly slow. If you're looking for a template-based front end with the fastest loading times in the e-commerce industry while saving costs on development time and hosting infrastructure, Hoofa is your best option. Everybody loves a fast site, including Google. Improve your Google ranking and conversion rates and make your customers happy. Learn more at hyva.io. That's hyva.io. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Alejandra Santos. Alejandra is the CEO and founder of Startup Tandem. Alejandra, go ahead, do an introduction better than I just did. Maybe tell us uh, your day-to-day -day role and one of your passions in life. Oh, thank you so much, Brent, for the introduction and for having me here. I am very excited for today's episode. So my day-to-day -day means a lot of meetings, talking to clients and steering them into good practices with their financial and with the finances in their business and taking long walks along the beach with my dog and trying, if I have the opportunity to take a meeting to the beach, I will absolutely do that as well. And a passion of mine, I just, I have so many, but I'm going to say, since we're talking about dogs, the passion is to rescue all the dogs from the streets and put them in beautiful homes. That's a, that is a great, that's a great venture to do. All right. So Alejandra, I did warn you that I'm going to do this free joke project. I'm going to tell you a joke and you could just tell me if you feel as though the joke should be continue to be free or if you feel like we could charge for the joke at some point. Okay. Here we go. Never date a tennis player. Love means nothing to them. 
I think that one's free. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. All right. So Startup Tandem, tell us a little bit about how you started Startup Tandem and why you started it. Yeah, so thank you for that, Brent. Startup Tandem, I've been doing accounting and finance for 15 plus years. I actually breathed into it after I I graduated college. I did the wealth management and then I went into corporations, big companies, nonprofits, and it was when I moved to California that I went into entrepreneurship as an employee, internal employee, as an external consultant working for one of the competitors, not what it is now a competitor of mine. And it was there that I realized the big gap that existed between the services that were provided to entrepreneurs when they were building their businesses to exactly what the price was for those services. And it just didn't make any sense to me. So that's why I created Startup Tandem. Startup Tandem is a supportive partner for entrepreneurs when they're in their journey to start a business. And as the startups and all the growth level, that maturity, some clients are making $80 million in revenues, some other ones are making $150,000 in gross revenue. It just it really doesn't matter where you are in your journey. We are committed to become that partner that can set you up at least with a good infrastructure and take you all the way until you scale or until you're ready to hire internally. So that's exactly what we do. We set up entrepreneurs with the tools and the resources to help them in their finance journey and not just give them whatever service. It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's customized to its company's growth. When you start with an entrepreneur or a new business, do you see them making common mistakes in, in, in their accounting practices or bookkeeping, things like that? A hundred percent. So one of the biggest pitfalls that I see is that they're not on top of their just general bookkeeping and they don't have really good policies in place by that means that there's no AR policy or AP policy approval policies in place. There's a lot of personal expenses go flowing through the company and they do their taxation, the taxes according to their bank statements rather than a financial statement. And it's not really until they have the urge to bring an external investor, an external partner, or they're trying to get into a very big line of credit or some kind of debt financing that actually puts them urgent to, wow, I got to clean my financials now because you're going to look at that. And at that ta- at that moment, you're really 10 years into the business or five years into the business and you're looking at a high cost just to go there backwards and then forward to clean those financials. It's a big mess and it takes a lot of money out of your pocket. Do you find that a lot of entrepreneurs aren't necessarily versed in accounting and maybe they don't understand what payables are and what receivables are, and even the sense that, hey, I'm suddenly I'm out of money, but I have a whole bunch of inventory. Do you help them with some of those pieces? Oh, 100%. And yes, what we do, a big portion of what we do with our marketing and services that we offer is education, just because that is a thing that we do see in the industry. There is no urgency in in financials, in financial management, in accounting, in knowing what your numbers are. So a lot of it goes with educational videos, educational resources, why you should do it, why it works, why you should, this is a big component of your business. We definitely focus on that as an early stage company, even though you cannot afford, if you cannot afford the full service yourself, we definitely want to set you up with the tools and the infrastructure, the policies to help you get into a good regimen. And if you want to do it yourself, you can do it yourself, but at least you have something to go by. And then when it comes to inventory, that's a big pitfall that I see, especially for e-commerce companies, startups and businesses is, um, 
they don't have just with the basics they don't have a really good skew nomenclature which that means it's like products some products don't even have a skew so it's really hard to even track down what the levels of that skew is or that inventory product is if you don't even have a good traceability on it so yeah, there is a lot of things that I see pitfalls, but there's a lot of things that also systems and very low budget resources and tools can help entrepreneurs gear into the right position. You see a lot of entrepreneurs doing books or doing their bookkeeping as the last thing they want to worry about. They just get it done. And you had mentioned that they just go off bank statements for reconciling. They're not doing cash flow reports. There's so many more things that are involved in there. How do you educate them on some of those things? So, yeah, it's really interesting. I get a lot of clients at the end of the year because they're getting ready for tax season. And one of the big things that I get is, oh, my God, my books are a mess. I don't even have a set of accounts. Can you please help me out? Because the tax season is coming. And it's great. Yes, we can definitely do that. However... When I asked them those questions that you just did, okay, so what is your cash burn? What is the biggest driver of your cash burn? What Those are the things that you have to know in order to make the right strategic decisions in your business. You got to know all those drivers. You got to know all those KPIs. So when I make those questions to them, it goes like an alarm in the brain. Oof, okay, I don't know those things. Maybe I should know them. Yes, 100%. And I try to get, because in numbers, it's not for everybody. And especially when you are a business owner and you're creating this amazing product, you're very creative. You probably don't want to talk numbers. So when you're very creative, I try to talk in the level of whoever is in front of me to educate them. Okay, maybe you do need to know what's causing that burn because if you know that you can control that, you could probably put that money into this instead, product development or a marketing expense, something that's gonna drive revenue up. And that's when they realize, okay, I do need to be more diligent with my financials. Are some are there some basic from an educational standpoint that you help them with and say just in reporting, balance sheet, P and L, cash flow statement, are there some just basics that every entrepreneur should know? Before they even start? Before they even start. Yeah, that's a good one. I even have friends that are entrepreneurs and I tell them all the time, get your stuff together before, please don't give it to me like that. The first thing I say is uh, try, treat your business as a business and your personal is your personal business. The business is basic. Don't run your personal expenses through the business. It's just at the end of the day, you got to look at the big picture. And if the big picture is I'm going to sell my company in five, six years. Guess what? They're going to be looking at those EBITDA. They're going to look at operational income and they're going to see what's flowing down there. And if you put all their personal expenses flowing, it's going to destroy the valuation of your company. So I try, just keep the big picture. Even if you don't understand the technicality of it, just keep the big picture in mind. As soon as you have a business, go with a goal. I'm going to sell my business. I'm going to go an IPO and then work towards that since the beginning, from the beginning and just... That will give you a clear sense of what you should or should not do. And if you have a hesitation, then ask questions to someone that does know. I think you mentioned how the banking system works and how they want to look at your books if you're going to start, if you're going to try to get a loan. It would also apply to if you want to sell your business or get investors. How do you recommend somebody that maybe they've been in business for five, six years, and suddenly they're, they want to start making their books. Is it a process to weed through the mess that a person may have made and then they you need to get them on the, in the right footing? Yeah, so there is definitely a process, especially if you have been in business for a few years and you have done taxes according to your bank statements rather than 
what's sitting on that on those financials. There's definitely a process, especially because those years are already closed. I call them closed because taxes have been already filed. So it's really, how can I say, you have to talk to the person that file your taxes to, to see what kind of adjustments you have to put in those financials to match exactly what you did in your taxes. And let's just say that most of the time your taxes, the taxes that are done are show less revenue than what's in the financials. And it's just because it's cash basis and there's a lot more things that are happening on the financials that are happening in the bank statements. Let's just say that it's you have to go retroactively. So what we do is basically, you know, talk to the tax attorney or tax person that did those books and say, okay, this is where we are. This is a trial balance now. What can we do to get it there? And then go forward, cleaning up the whole financial set and make sure that everything that's flushed out, personal from business is flushed out and there's a differentiation on it. Because what happens is the banks will look at least two to three years, depending on the financial institution, um, to see what how much your gross revenue is. You're going to look at those numbers. So if we can make the financials as accurate as possible and relate it to what was posted on the taxes and then moving forward as well we can show some growth then that can put in a better place and that goes with investors as well the same they're going to ask for your your financials most you don't you probably don't want to even share your tax return if it's flowing through you with an investor it's an uncomfortable situation so we would have to go back clean it up, match it to that and then go forward and show some kind of forecasting increase in revenue. Yeah, I think that you brought up a really good point about how the ta- how the bank statements won't reflect your AR, they won't reflect your inventory, they wouldn't reflect any depreciable assets that you have, and how important those are for a business owner to know. And even for when you're going to get a loan, the banker's going to want to know what your assets are outside of what the bank balance is. Maybe talk about some of those pitfalls that entrepreneurs fall into when they maybe they're not as educated around accounting as they should be. Yeah, so that's actually a good point, Brent. So there's a lot of asset-based financing, and it's very important to know that, especially if you are in e-commerce and you have inventory on the books. So there is definitely platforms. I'm just going to speak very few of them. I don't endorse any of them, by the way. There is a Shopify, there is PayPal Capital, there is ClearBank. Those right there will finance against your cash flow revenue stream. But what some asset based institutions do, and you can do the traditional or the non-traditional way, which I do prefer the non-traditional way for small companies or startups because they're a little bit riskier. They basically look at your inventory and see what the inventory turnover is and see exactly what the valuation on that in turnover is to finance against it. And what happens there is that if you don't have if you don't have a clear, a clean inventory balance, meaning they're going to ask for warehouse reports, they're going to ask for what's sitting on the balance sheet ties into the warehouse and the valuation that's sitting in the warehouse, actually the same as in the books. And if you don't have that really button up, you're missing on a lot of money. And if you do get an untraditional institution, they're probably missing on, not right now because there's inflation in the future, you probably will be missing on low, in a low cost of capital financing rather than going to a traditional institution when they give you a term loan, which is going to be really high with really bad 
payment terms. So there is a lot to unpack when it comes to the balance sheet financing. There's your AR. Like if you have some really good contracts and clients and they're valued at, let's just put a number 500,000, you can get some really good financing against that if you find a good institution that can give you a good factor for that. On your website, you, you list that you do services like bookkeeping and fractional CFO. Maybe explain to our listeners some of the differences. And if we started with a bookkeeper, you have a comptroller, there's a fractional CFO, there's a CPA. How, there's a lot of different roles that, that a, in financials that play. Tell us if you could just explain some of those differences and then maybe tell us what how, how you help people. Yeah, no, thank you. So, yeah, so bookkeeping is your, I'm going to call like the very low-level service, very basic, kind of somebody coming in making sure that your bills are there, your invoices are there, your payments are matching your invoices, very low level. I don't like to really just offer that because I think the company does deserve a little bit more care than just bookkeeping. I like the accounting, the whole accounting service for anybody, honestly, it doesn't matter what your business growth is. And it's because it not only makes sure that your books, AR and AP are really up to par, but it also gives a little bit more insight on what your margins are and where, you know, your where your biggest drivers of expenses are, if it's marketing or, you know, operations or whichever one it is. So I like that one more in each level. For us, at least, we do have a CPA person and management manages the accounts and makes sure that everything is up to par. We do have also staff and senior accountants that take care of that very low, low, the low budget task as well. And then when it comes to fractional CFO is going forward, right? So one of the things that people need to understand is that accounting is keeping the financials accurate to what's going on right now. But CFO means going forward. But in order to have a good forward overlook, you are going to need accurate financials. Like the forward journey is based on the actuality right now. The CFO person is somebody that will do those analysis for you. It's going to do an FP&A analysis. It's going to do a weekly cash flow. It's going to do some variance analysis, which is like budgets, forecast versus actuals, right? Where are you standing according to your forecast, to your budget, and if we have to readjust the forecast to meet those numbers. This person will help you navigate what kind of KPIs you're gonna need to reach or what kind of KPIs you need in order to meet certain metrics, certain like revenue goals. This person can identify, like I said, cash burn. Where is that cash burn coming from? If you are a company that's bringing product from China or bringing product from another country, what are your shipping costs? Is that like the main driver of your cash burn? What can we do to mitigate that cash burn? And it's somebody that when it comes to financial institutions goes ahead and assess the risk of each loan or line of credit or any other kind of tool that you want to get into. This is the person that will analyze and assess that risk that comes with it and it's true APR, right? What exactly are the fees that my company is going to face on a yearly basis if I do business with this company? It's just for all anything that you need, there is, like I said, accounting is actual. So you need somebody that can make sure that every number in that book is actually has a backup. If there's a traceability, there's an, a report. If somebody comes looking for answers, there's something there. And then you, a fractional CFO is somebody going forward. How do we get to the next level? If somebody's just starting, let's, they want they, a year's worth of books or two years worth of books, they've just done it on their own. How long would you expect somebody like one of your team members to get them up to speed where it's ready to start forecasting revenue, start 
for forecasting cash flow, things like that? So it really depends. Let's see, one year, two years, and they've done it all on their own. We would have to go and look at those books, make sure that if there are any changes that we need to make, we do them in the current year, talk to the tax accountant, like I said, and just honestly it takes a month or so to get the, to get us up to speed on like the accounting side. And then after that, because we need actual information, we need some really good, reliable information to do the forecasting. And then I would say like a few weeks after that, three weeks, we could probably have a model ready. We do models very differently than a lot of companies that I've worked for before. We don't have a one size fits all kind of a shoe because everybody has different business models and not also a different business growth as well. So there's a lot of things that small companies don't need and they probably find overwhelming. So we basically have standardized models already. We have a small model and we have a more complex model and we adjust those models accordingly to the business the business and the business model that we have. So with that being said, it doesn't take as long to, to create something, but it does, what could be the time delay would be the cleaning of the accounting and make sure that everything is reliable. What do you see from a mistake standpoint that entrepreneurs or business owners make when they are hiring somebody like you and they want to try to cut costs at the same time? Is there places where you see people being cheap and maybe they should just spend the extra money on services to make sure that their books are right? <laughs> yeah. So I've seen different cases. So I've seen people hire a full staff of marketing internal team and Overhead is one of those things that is the biggest driver of cost, especially for a small business. It's one of the things that I look at. The first things that I look at are, do you have an office? How much are you paying for that? And how much people do you have in staff? Because you will be surprised. Fractional goes a long way when it comes to building a business. You just have to find the right partner. That's what it goes with everything, right? You just have to talk to people get in a conversation, go have coffee, vet them out, talk to their clients, talk to their partners, see how they're reacting. But that would be one of the biggest pitfalls that I see is that these companies are spending a lot of money on employees, internal employees. With that comes, and I don't know if a lot of people are listening are in California, but if you are in California, it's one of the worst states to have employees. It's like the state is against you as an employer. There's so many policies that you have to follow. It's insane. So you could you could reduce that level of stress if you just go find some agency or someone that does those services on the side and can be a good partner to you the other one that i see is like i said if you are in e-commerce and you're doing inventory is inventory wow there is a if you find the wrong 3pl company oh my goodness there's so much cost that goes with that it's just and it's a lot of cost to get out of a 3pl and to get into another one so research on the right 3pl company is one of the biggest ones that i would suggest to do as well as a business owner do you recommend like a payroll service or do you recommend that the entrepreneur or business owner do their own payroll Oh, that's a good one. So definitely a service, a payroll service. I honestly, I like everything. I'm not very techie. I like everything that's very user-friendly, user-interface-friendly to me. And I like the ones that are targeting startups because they basically provide a lot of support and that companies do need, and they're not very bureaucratic like older payroll software providers are. But I'm not, I'm not here to recommend anything. But one of the big, one of the ones that we use is Gusto. is very user-friendly. 
it connects with different softwares. And then I also hear that ADP is going, connect, doing a thing with QuickBooks coming up soon. So that's that could be a good one as well. I just think that when you're starting a company, you want to be very easy. Make your life easy with a lot of techno technology tools because it gets really complicated when you have so many at the same time. Is there, a, is there an alternative to QuickBooks as a small business? <laughs> oh my God, there is, there is. But is you'll be surprised how many people use QuickBooks. I think 90% of the population now use QuickBooks. So there is... But QuickBooks is just makes it easy for small business owners because it's very cost efficient. And for example, there's NetSuite. NetSuite is a really good platform, but it's expensive. And that's what I am saying. And they do have an in in inventory management already capability in it, which makes it a full ERP system. However, it's very costly. And this is when, as a business owner, you have to make those decisions. What is the value added for the software that I will be buying? If I'm spending $30,000 a year for the software, what is the value that I'm getting out of it? How many employees do I have that are you going to be using it? And then from there, determine if this is worth the investment or not. So that's where we go with the companies. That's what they probably use QuickBooks online because it's very cost efficient. You can connect it with other tools, but there's as you grow your business, I if it makes sense, go for it. If it doesn't make sense to put those 20, 30 grand in a system, then don't go for it. Just continue using tools that work for you. Is there, can you highlight challenges? So you mentioned e-commerce and selling a product. Is there challenges in selling a service as a, as a business? Oh, always. There's always challenges. Oh my goodness. There's so many challenges. Yes. One of the biggest challenges, it is credibility, making sure, obviously when you're, when, I see it from a small business owner point of view. When you use your baby, you know, especially the finances, this is go to finances. Oh, wow. Somebody's going to handle my finances. You want to make sure this person is really vetted on wonder what they're speaking to. And I 100% agree with that. Also, marketing service is another one that is, there's presents a lot of challenges because marketing is all about results. It's not about the process. While the finance and the accounting is all about the process, about the results. So you just have to it's always, there's always a challenge no matter what you sell. For me, the biggest challenge is you know, people like me, they talk to me, they meet me, they're like, oh, she's very pleasant, but I look very young. I'm not going to lie. You're looking at me right now. I look very young and people are like, oh my gosh, she has that much experience. How old was she when she graduated high school? And when they look at my experience, my experience will talk for itself. So if you do feel like there is a way to vet more of your service providers, you can always ask for references for clients, for partners, for just to see what they're doing for other people. And at the end of the day is find a partner that has flexibility as well on a contract. Like if you don't like them, goodbye. There is no, oh my God, you have to pay this. I have to do that. I have, no, it has to be somebody that's easy because at the end of the day, your is your business and you want to make sure you have the right partners in place. If you had a piece of advice going into this fourth quarter and these high interest rate times to a business owner, what would that be? Start looking to cut costs right now. Look at the areas of, like I, we just talked a few about overhead costs, right? Unfortunately, there is a lot of people being laid off right now because of that reason. But 
it shouldn't be that way if you were vetting your cost at an early, earlier time this year, right? Because inflation has been coming for a long time already. So just be proactive. Look ahead. That would be my first advice. Look ahead. Look at your cash burn. Start looking into those weekly cash flow models that I always, you know, monthly cash flow models will tell you so much. But if you look at a weekly standpoint and see exactly what's driving the number in, you will see that there is a lot of areas that you can lower down those costs. The other one is it was probably better back a few months ago to get into a line of credit kind of use that money now the interest rates are so high i don't even recommend it just start initiating those conversations with a lot of financial institutions to see what they offer in the near future because the interest rates will come down it's as the government continues to push they will come down at some point so the cost of capital will become cheaper just start initiating those conversations now and be prepared be proactive in this time yeah, I've always heard that the best time to ask for cash from a bank is when you don't need it at all. Exactly. When you absolutely need it, that's when they don't <laughs> want to give it to you. Yeah. Um, you. You mentioned weekly and monthly cash flow models, and that's how you can help cut expenses. Do you, so you recommend looking at the detail within that cash flow to help you see where that money's going? Yeah, so this is the thing with the monthly one. So the monthly is a very indirect cash flow model. It takes the activity of the balance sheet just to see what's happening. But on a weekly basis, you, it's very direct, and you can monitor that on a weekly basis. It's just to assess where you're standing and when is it tells you by week when your cash is running out if you're running out of cash on january 3rd that's when you're running out of cash with everything else that you're being forecasting you're meeting those forecast numbers and it helps you be proactive in your budget if you say okay i'm running out of cash on january 3rd that's not a lot of runway we don't have external capital coming let's cut down what are the budget areas that we can minimize to bring it to February at least one more month. That it helps you be really proactive in identifying those areas of opportunity. And then if you need to ask, do a fundraising round and it gives you at least that lack time, okay, two more months to get really out there and ask for money. Perfect. Alejandra, as we close out the podcast, I give the guests a chance to do a shameless plug about anything you'd like. What would you like to plug today? It is Black Friday coming up, so make sure that you have your inventory. If you're using something like Shopify or e-commerce, make sure your inventories are set up correctly because that way you don't have a future headaches in the, once everything is done. Make sure that you have your follow-ups coming out to all those new customers. Make sure that you have some retained strategy for the new customers coming in and purchasing your product. So I would just say there's actually a blog from Okendo. I can share it with you. And I just head over there. There's a few tips of coming from different experts on how to prepare for Black Friday, Cyber Monday, for you to make a lot of money and cut a lot of headaches. That's awesome. Yeah, I appreciate that. That We don't often get different types of industries that you're giving advice for. Thank you so much for that. Alejandro Sandro Santo, sorry, is the CEO and founder of Startup Tandem. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Brent. This was so much fun. Mucho gusto. <laughs> Gracias. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the free joke project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.